The Natural Man podcast is intended as general information for educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice or a diagnosis of any kind or as a substitute for medical treatment. The information provided in this podcast is not meant to replace the advice of or treatment by any physician. Do not rely upon any information to replace consultations or advice received by qualified health professionals regarding your own specific situation. If you suspect that you have a medical problem, you are urged to seek competent medical help. The Natural Man podcast and its representatives and agents disclaim any liability for any negative or other medical or other outcomes that may occur as a result of acting on or not acting on any information contained in the podcast. The views and opinions expressed by the host and all guests are their own, and their appearance on this podcast and at the website of the Natural Man Podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent and does not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Natural Man Podcast. This is the Natural Man Podcast. Okay, well, here we go. Another episode, excited. Uh, today we have Dr. Tara Winston, and uh, you're a naturopathic doctor who studied at Bastyr University in Seattle. Um, you spent your first four years of practice at Evergreen Center for Integrative Medicine in Seattle, and then you went and opened up your own private practice. And uh, the reason we ch- we reached out to you, Dr. Tara, was because we love your social media content. It's really informative stuff. It's engaging. You put a lot of great useful, insightful health information. And I know you have several specialties. We're probably not going to get into all of them today, but we'll see how far we get. But firstly, thanks for being here. And uh, tell us, why did you choose holistic medicine? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I chose, well, yeah, that's a big question that I often get asked. And I usually answer it with, it. it's not that I chose holistic medicine. It just chose me. Um, I wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid. I thought I was going to be a plastic surgeon and focus on reconstructive plastic surgery. But when I was in high school, I started to develop some health issues and the medical doctors and the medical community in general just were not very supportive and not very helpful and frankly dismissive. And I sort of fell out of interest, I guess, in going into that profession because I felt like if this is all they have to offer, then I just don't want to do this. There's got to be a different way. And so I got really interested in nutrition and I studied business. And when I graduated with uh, two degrees in business and food service, and my intention was to open some sort of like alternative restaurant or bakery, I thought, Uh, this is a huge risk and I wanted to have a fallback plan. And so I thought maybe I would study dietetics, but I knew I didn't want to study conventional, um, conventional nutrition or medicine for all the same reasons. And so I started uh, looking up alternative um, nutrition degrees and that's how I actually found Bastyr. And I ended up going to one of the naturopathic conventions and I signed up for school like two weeks after I was at that convention because it just felt like I had found my home. Uh, I had found a group of people that thought and, um, you know, thought the way I thought and were passionate about the things I was passionate about. Right. Isn't, isn't that the best feeling when you find yourself in those communities? Like, I, I love that. And I can totally relate. Like, it's so weird because it just seems like we always have to get sick before we go down this road. Um, it's just a recurring theme on with the different guests that we've had. And it's been that way in my own life. 
Um, we never come from a place of health and balance and decide, well, I'm going to stop eating junk food and you know what I mean? Like, like improve my diet and stuff. It's always, there's always that trigger in everybody's life. that seems to be that common factor that puts us on this road. Do you find that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, I, I will always say, and my, all my coaches have always said like wellness will not sell because I, you know, my dream was to open a wellness-based practice and teach people how to be well. But the, the reality is like, nobody wants to buy wellness, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish yeah. it were true, but they have to be sick and suffering in order to get interested in, you know, how to become well again. Yeah. It's like our bodies crave burgers over salad and there's, there's no way around that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's crazy. Um, so I know that I've seen some of the material you've written online and I've, I've looked through a lot of it and, and you've written that the, the cure is the same for 99% of modern diseases and that is to support the body and let it do its own correction. Can you expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. So that's just kind of my model that I've adopted over the years and it works really well. It's basically that instead of focusing on a diagnosis, and looking for a cure for that diagnosis, which sort of like pigeonholes us into these tiny little boxes. Yeah. Uh, it allows us to open up and say, well, the body is all the same. Like we all have the same basic functions in our body. And if we can just support those basic functions, sort of like a car mechanic, right? Right. The car runs the same way, uh, even if it has a different body or different parts. And so if we can just support the body and give it what it needs, it will heal itself because it's a self-healing organism. That is what we were made to do is yeah. discharge. And a lot of times when we experience symptoms, it's just our body's way of correcting, but we don't often view it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've talked about this in the past on other episodes, but um, I remember a surgeon once describing that as soon as I cut you, there's a DC electric current that begins around that cut and it's that process of healing. And it's, it's just that wound, your body knows the wound is there and it starts to heal it. And as long as your heart's beating, um, in most cases, I know some people have, you know, issues with, with wound healing and whatnot, but your body's always trying to heal that wound. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty fascinating. It's not something you can really shut off until you're dead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, functional medicine is very diverse. There's a lot of different modalities and approaches that exist within its framework. Is there anything that you feel, and I'm asking you this because you're in it, is there anything that you feel is missing in functional medicine today? Yeah. Uh, there. I feel like there's a lot of things missing in functional medicine, unfortunately. <laughs> it's like... Um, it's like a stair system, right? It's definitely better than our conventional model. And there is a little bit more individuality in functional medicine, but you're still missing a huge piece, which is that you're only looking at the physical body in functional medicine. You're right. not actually taking into consideration the mental emotional body, and you're definitely not taking into consideration the spiritual body. And since we inhabit three bodies, and they all affect each other, if we're only looking at that one physical body, we're going to be very limited in the amount of healing we're able to do. Yeah, that's true. And and so what kind of things do you do to try to offset that? If, if you 
realize those limitations? Do you ever focus on, you know, emotional components and, and non-physical components of a person's being when you're treating them? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I would not consider myself a functional medicine doctor. I understand functional medicine, but it's okay. the same thing as saying like, I wouldn't consider myself a primary care doctor either. Uh, I understand primary care. But that's just not the way I practice. I'm very like specialized in vitalistic medicine. So root cause, vital, like vi vitality and hol holism, right? So yeah. um, all of every person that I focus on, even if it's in a group coaching setting, they will go through not only physical body um, modalities, but they'll also go through mental and emotional um, healing. And I'll do that through, um, you know, exercises and um, teaching universal truths, but also through things like homeopathy and flower essences and, you know, physical um, substances that we can help to actually move us through some of those um, mental, emotional sticky stickinesses, I guess I'll call them. I don't know yeah. what to call them. Yeah. Do you ever find barriers when you're trying to tap into an emotional, uh, the, a person's emotional well-being when you're treating them? Is there ever, do they ever put up walls or, or try to resist? Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say the people who come to me, by the time they get to me, they're generally more open, but there's still the piece of the ego that likes to remain status quo, which is another huge barrier to healing on all planes, right. is that our ego likes the known. Whether it's a good situation that we're in or a bad situation, the risk of change and the risk that it could be worse when we go through change generally keeps most people stuck right where they are for long periods of time until something gets bad enough where they basically have to throw their hands up and say, I'll try anything. Yeah. Yeah, so I find that often. Yeah, is there any uh, is there any nutraceuticals that you go to if a person's dealing with a lot of angst or or stress? What what are some what are some go tos that you've gone to to treat that? Yeah, my number one line of treatment for every single person, if I can talk them into it, and most people most people are are totally open to it, is flower essences, hmm. and it's because they're gentle and they're easy to take, they're enjoyable. If nothing else, people like the way they taste or they smell. Um, and I, I call it therapy in a bottle. It's like, yeah. you know, I'll tell people, listen, we can go into the skeletons in your closet. We can sit down, we can have a conversation, we can, um, you know, do the dirty work. And yeah. that will help you a lot. But if that doesn't sound appealing, we you can just simply spray yourself with this lovely scented flower essence or drop it under your tongue, whichever you prefer yeah. four or five times a day, and then let the flower do the work for you. And for most people, that's far more appealing. Wow. Is that now that's uh that's homeopathy, I'm assuming, right? It sounds it's like. very similar to homeopathy. It works on the same plane. They're created a little bit differently, but they're still like that energetic vibrational medicine. It's basically harnessing the energy of the flower mm -hmm. and then whichever flower you are attracted to or you need in the moment is is because it's it's um, sort of filling in the energy blockages that you have in that moment. So you're always going to be attracted to the flower that you need. It's, it's really fascinating. Right. And can you elaborate a little bit on homeopathic uh, medicine? I think this is episode 38 and we 
we explore all things holistic, and it's actually never come up in any of our previous episodes. So I'm, I'm glad sure. you touched on it earlier. Give us like homeopathy 101. Can you do that? Yeah, sure. So the basic principle of homeopathy is like cures like. And so what we're doing is using the energetic imprint of a substance that would be toxic if uh, given in crude amounts. So let's use mercury, for example. We know very well that mercury is toxic, even though the conventional system used to use it as medicine. Yeah. It makes people very ill in very specific ways. Right. But if we take mercury and we dilute it down to Avogadro's number, which is like hundreds of thousands of dilutions to the point where it's the equivalent of like one drop in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And then we give a drop of that ocean to the person who has the mercury toxicity. It will give the body a map, so to speak, to how to correct that imbalance that's happening. And so it basically... It's sort of like those uh, dolls that you had, those blow-up dolls you had when you were a kid that you'd you'd bop it over and it'd, it'd fall over and then it'd pop right back up. Right. Um, and so that's what homeopathy does. So like if you've gotten knocked over, but for some reason you didn't pop back up, it'll just give you that little nudge to make the, you know, to make the body right itself again. Right. So, so it's sort of like, and, and I guess it's a slow sort of safe adaptation to these substances but because for you used mercury for example and i don't mm -hmm. know if that's is that a real example yes that, really yeah. okay so so because it's so diluted it's not really toxic is that the understanding yes absolutely so there's nothing left there's no actual mercury in the in the homeopathic it's just basically a sugar pill okay that has been imprinted with water, which gets us into a whole other discussion. But basically, water is a storage molecule. It is right. the is the best storage molecule in the world. A drop of water can hold more information than any computer that we know existed out there. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're using that water to hold the information that the mercury has in it. And then we're giving that information to the body in a safe format without the actual toxic mercury. Wow. So, so if the substance is not in there, how is that formulated? Can you give any insight on that? How is it made? Yeah. So basically it's made sort of just like I said. So what you would do is you would put a drop of mercury in a cup of water mm -hmm. and you would shake it up. And then you would take one drop of water out of that cup and you'd put it in another drop of water and you'd shake okay. it up. And then you do that basically however many times you want to dilute it. So the remedies come in different dilutions. So there's like you know, I think they start at like 3C and then 6C and then 12C and 30C and then they go all the way up to like 10M, like which is 10 million. Right. So every C you have is a dilution. So the ones that are lower, like up to 6C, they actually do still have tiny itsy bitsy trace amounts of whatever the molecule is. Right. But after 6C, there's nothing left in it. And so most remedies that I give are either 30C or 200C or even higher. But the interesting thing is the less medicine, so the more dilutions they go through, the stronger the effect actually becomes. Really? Yes. How do you explain that? I don't know. I can't explain it. <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's pretty wild. Um, so you created the calm belly method. This is your specific protocol that you pioneered. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So 
this, like most things in my practice, was sort of born out of necessity and sort of born out of accident and sort of born out of the desire to reach more people. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a little stuck in that, like, I was like, well, my practice is full, but there's so many more people out there that need help. So it was the idea to create a group coaching program. And um, I really wanted to have a, a short and concise program that delivered actual results. So it took several iterations to come up with this, but this is the one that, that that's really delivering the results that I was looking for. So basically, um, it helps people uh, get their physical body to a place where it is absorbing nutrients efficiently so that it has all the building blocks it needs to do the repair. It's discharging toxins efficiently so that we're not adding sort of fuel to the fire of our disease. Right. And then we're also addressing the stress component and we're teaching people how to reframe stress and work with flower essences and sort of discharge all of the lower vibrating emotions that they're holding on to. So the fear, the pride, the anger, the grief, the shame, all of those we start to discharge. And so, yeah, it's called the calm belly method, but it's really a full body reset. And so it's not just a focus on, on the digestive system because that was the impression I got. Yeah, it is. It is? It is designed to focus on the digestive system, and it is tailored towards people who have digestive issues, whether it's IBS, IBD, um, just general gut upset. And so we talk a lot about the gut health in there, mm -hmm. but the interesting thing is that because there's the three causes of disease are stress and toxicity and nutrient deficiency, all of those things go through the gut. Right. And so what I have found interesting is that even my people who come to me for my, in my private practice with say like rheumatoid arthritis or skin issues or you know brain trauma or something like that, I still put them through the calm belly method mm -hmm. because we still have to make sure they're absorbing nutrients, discharging toxins and addressing their stress. You know, I like that you're focusing on stress because yeah, it's been well known for a long time now that digestive issues are linked to, you know, uh, psychological stress and, and poor stress management. And I think, I think a lot of practitioners have gotten away from that component. And so they just reach for the oregano oil and the olive leaf and like, you know, the different, the different go-tos for gut health. But um, there's definitely an emotional component there. And, and do you do that the same way? Do you tackle that using the, uh, the, um, the flower extracts and, and that, those things? Yes. Um, so it, it's, a, it's, again, it's some, sometimes it's, it's just in the education. Sometimes people just need to hear the information and understand. Right. So I'm glad you brought up the supplements because yeah, I do talk about supplements. It's always the first thing that people want to know, like, what can I take? Yeah. Because that's how we've been trained. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, there's great herbs out there and they work amazingly well. But if you haven't addressed the reason why this symptom you're having has been allowed to express in the first place, then we can throw supplements at it all day long and it'll keep coming back. Right. So we have to get to the stress component or the physical toxicity, which is a physical stress, right? We have to get mm -hmm. to those components first or at least simultaneously so that when we do apply the supplements, they will do their job and then the symptoms won't come back. And, and what's the success rate of, of this approach? Well, I mean, I, it's still unbelievable to me, but I still have a hundred percent success rate. Really? 
Yeah, that's I impressive. Had, I haven't. Had Nobody has a hundred percent in anything. <laughs> I know, and I and I feel weird saying that because of that. But yeah. every single person who's gone through the program has gotten tremendous results. Have they all gotten like? Are they all like perfectly floating through the world with no symptoms? No, because yeah. that's not reality. Right. Even me, who's been focused on my health for twenty years, like I still have things that intermittently come up because that's my body telling me something. Right? Yeah. So healing yeah. is a journey. But in terms of getting more energy and better digestion, more reliable digestion, dropping excess weight, all of those things, yeah, we have a 100% success rate. And I think it's because, A, I screen my clients. It's Mm -hmm. not open to just anybody. I have to make sure that people have the mindset where they're willing to actually do the work. Because if somebody's coming in and they're only willing to take supplements, it's not going to work for them. They have to be willing to invest time and energy as well. So talk about that screening process a little bit. What what do you look for specifically when you're deciding if somebody's good for the Combelly method? Yes. So um, that's a great question. I do have three requirements. So that, that first one is they have to be willing to invest time, energy, and money. And I know money is always the one that gets people. But what I tell people is like your money is is just a reflection of your time and your energy. If you're not willing to invest your money, I guarantee you're not willing to invest your time and energy. And I know this because I used to run a nonprofit, I used to run a low cost clinic, and I used to take insurance. And not a single one of my low cost or reduced rate or insurance clients ever did the work that was required to actually heal. Really? Not, Not one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so, yeah, so they have to be requ- they have to be willing to invest time, energy and money. And, and with the intention that like you're putting this investment in just like you would with a retirement account mm-hmm. so that you can reap the benefits later, you'll spend less time and have more energy and save more money in the future because your medical bills will be non-existent. Yeah, that's the goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> non-existent yeah. medical bills. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And is that sorry, was that all three? No, so that's oh, okay. just the okay. first one. Gotcha. The second one is they have to they have to believe that they're able to heal naturally. You would actually wouldn't believe how many people believe that they're stuck with their genetics and like, oh, everyone in my family has this and this is just how what I have to live with. If that's your mindset, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, your mind yeah. is always going to create the container that you live in. And so if you don't believe you can heal, you're not going to be able to heal and there's no point in us trying. And then the third thing is they uh, they only want to use drugs or surgery if it's absolutely necessary. So again, if you're if you're looking for a quick fix in a pill or a you know a surgical whatever, then like this is not the route for you. Yeah, I'm surprised that they would even come to you if they want drugs or surgery. I mean, you're you're a naturopathic doctor. That's yeah. That's usually the escape from that. Am I not right? Am I not? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I do. I do occasionally run into people that are on drugs that they've been on for a while, right. and I'll explain to them like, here's how this drug is limiting you. Usually, it's the you know the psychotropic drugs, it's the mood stabilizers. Yeah, where it's like you know a lot of this symptom that your body's manifesting is actually in the mind. Yeah, and if you're not willing to go into the mind, then we can, there's a limitation to to what we can actually do yeah. together. And if you're not willing to at least consider at some point coming down off of those drugs that straightjacket your emotions, then this isn't a great program for you. Yeah. And, you know, you touched on something interesting there. We had a uh, Julia Ross on um, not too long ago, who's uh, done some great work on just the study of um, 
you know, emotional health, mental health, and the balancing of neurotransmitters. And a lot of it lies in the neurotransmitters, an imbalance or a deficiency in them. And like you say, it takes a little bit of work. It's not it's not just a pill for every a pill for every ill. You pop the pill, you feel better, you go on your way. Um, often that pill is hindering you in different ways. It's a mitochondrial toxin. Um, it's not always the fix that it's sold to be mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. And um, if we focus on our emotional health and even physiologically speaking, you know, the neurotransmitters that are at work in our brains, I think we can have a lot of success in that area. But but it takes work, right? And people don't want to do the work, like you say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, those pills, in the way I describe it is, at best case, they're a Band-Aid. Yeah. So they're kind of covering up the issue, but not really addressing the cause of the issue. And at worst case, they're suppressive. And when you suppress something, an expression that your body is trying to give you or discharge or show you that something in your life isn't working for you, if you suppress that down, you're going to create a situation where at some point you're you're going to explode or it's going yeah. to come out in different areas. Yeah. Hey, this is Mike C. And we want you to know that we only endorse products we truly believe in. We're an affiliate of best-selling author Dr. Carolyn Dean's RNA Reset Products, home of the famous Remag Liquid Magnesium Supplement. So when you go to RNAreset.com and make any purchases using the coupon code NATURALMAN, we get a commission. So if you like what we do, this is one way you can support the Natural Man podcast. Make your purchase now at RNAreset.com using the coupon code NATURALMAN. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. And, you know, in all honesty, I think for a lot of people, too, when they're looking at modalities like like yours, I think it takes a certain level of courage because we've been told to do things a certain way for a long time. You you expressed some of your you know, you shared some of your experiences when you were younger dealing with issues and, you know, people dismissing you or telling you it was all in your head. A lot of us have gone through that. And that's the system we're all accustomed to. And I think to step out of that, it takes courage because sometimes people get pushed back from their own family members. They're like, what are you doing? Why are you going to one of these, you know, what's what's the, the word they always used to use for, uh, uh, you know, quackery or, or yes. whatever, right? Like, yeah. you know, alternative medicine, whatever, whatever label they can slap on it. Yeah. But, you know, what I love about practitioners like yourself is you're looking for root cause. You're looking for the actual cause. You're not looking at just slapping a Band-Aid on it and going on your merry way. Um, But that's intimidating to people. Do you find that? 
Yeah, I think it is. So I, I love that you brought up courage. I don't know if you've studied David Hawkins at all, but... No, I haven't. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the book Letting Go. I think if the whole world could read that book, we would live in a very different place. Hmm. Um, so in the book, he describes the... How do I want to describe it? The um, scale of emotions. So at the bottom is the scale of lower vibrating emotions. So these are, so, cause we're energetic beings, right? And so right. we want our vibration to be high because that means we're emitting the most energy and, and we have the most health and vitality. And so if we're stuck in yeah. the lower vi vibrating emotions, like fear, grief, shame, pride, um, things like that, then we're more likely to become ill. Courage is the tipping point. So if you are able to step into courage, it's the first step to entering into the higher vibrating emotions of love, joy, peace, acceptance, neutrality, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's actually a lot of what I teach is like if you can let go of those lower vibrating emotions, which are almost always, you know, it's a survival, but it's also just the ego. Like the ego is hurt and the ego wants to feel seen and justified for where it's at in its life or in your life. And if we can just recognize that I am not my ego and we can kind of let go of those lower vibrating emotions and use courage to see, say like, well, what would it feel like to experience joy or what would it feel like to experience peace or love? And we just get into the habit of doing that more often. Yeah. Disease can't manifest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a retuning of the mind and I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but uh, that's really all it is, right? There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing more to it. <laughs> Um, so I know you don't like seed oils. I don't like them either, but I like hearing from the experts. Why don't you like, why are seed oils bad? So I think the most eloquent explanation of seed oils that I've seen is in one of my favorite books. It's, um, Jerry Tennant. He's a medical doctor and his book is healing as voltage. And he talks about, you know, the frequency of the body and how if certain areas drop frequency, etc. So he talks about seed oils as plastic wrapped to the cells. And so when you eat a seed oil, it basically creates a plastic wrap around your cell. And when your cell sends out the signal to say, I'm hungry, and the body sends the food, so it was just, it sends it in the form of sugar usually, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the sugar can't get into the cell because it's coated in this plastic wrap. Hmm. And so then the sugar starts to pool up around the cell because the cell's still sending the signal, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and the body keeps sending the sugar to the cell, but none of it can get in to this plastic, like through this plastic wrap. Right. So then you end up with excess sugar around the cell, which is called diabetes. And so then you start storing it as fat. And this cycle just continue to happen until you start changing out those seed oils, those bad fats for the more healthy um, you know, animal fats, frankly. Yeah. 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 What, so what fats, um, obviously you mentioned animal fats, so you don't think that fats are bad. You're not into the low fat diet. I'm not either just for the record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big misconception in medicine. No. Um, can you tell us why? Yeah. So from personal experience, being a nineties kid, I, you know, grew up in the era of low fat, everything. And I was terrified of fat in my twenties and I didn't eat any fat at all. And my body shut down. My cholesterol was 10. Wow. I had zero hormones. I had no menstrual cycle. I had no energy. I was, I mean, I don't even know how I functioned to be honest. Yeah. 
And so when I started adding animal protein and, and sort of some fats back into my diet, I, I started to feel better. Mm-hmm. And then now I actually eat more of a animal based diet. I, I am not hundred percent carnivore. I don't believe in any sort of like fad trendy, like everyone do the same thing diet. I teach a very individualized approach to diet. Mm-hmm. In fact, I do that through the Carol Carol method, which, you know, I can talk about if you're interested in, but basically I just think that every single person has individual needs and different foods vibrate better with their body than other foods. So, uh, within that, if I eat a high animal, um, fat diet, I feel better Yeah, and my blood sugar is more stable and my brain functions better and my hormones are more balanced and I have more energy for workouts and, and all of the things are just better. Yeah. Um, what's, so what is the Carol method? Yeah. Elaborate on that if you can. Yeah. So the Carol method is a, it's a proprietary naturopathic diagnostic technique technique is what we call it. So basically it's a resonance test. So we're evaluating like, does this certain food work well with your specific body's resonance? And it's, it's either a yes or a no. So it goes a, a lever, level deeper than like the food sensitivity panels or the food allergy panels that you'll see yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. I used to do a lot of that testing. And since I started doing the Carol evaluations, I no longer need to do any um, immune testing because all of those secondary food sensitivities just go away. Really? Really. Wow. How is that? How does that work? So my theory is that it's what we're evaluating is specifically the small intestine. Like how is this food in conjunction with your small intestine? Mm-hmm. And if it's harm, harm, like if it harmonizes well, then it's a good food for you to eat and you can, you, your body will know how to digest it and absorb it and eliminate it and all will be well. Mm-hmm. But if it's a, like a, if it creates a resonance that's not harmonic, right? So I think of like a choir, if someone starts singing out of tune, um, it's very obvious. And so if that food, when it when it's put next to your body, if it creates a, an irritation in the resonance, then your body gets confused. And for people that either looks like your body's trying to purge that food, so it'll look like diarrhea, mm-hmm. or your body will freeze, right? So fight or flight, because it won't know what to do with it, and that will look like constipation. Right. And when that happens, because the body doesn't know what to do with it, the nutrients don't get absorbed, digestion stops, uh, toxin elimination stops, and you, you basically just get stuck in this, like, you're, you're essentially starving while you're eating. Wow. So and I... again, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, for some people, that looks like they can't absorb any nutrients and they're just, they're wasting away, right? So those chronic diarrhea people. For other people, it looks like they're gaining weight because their body's like, I don't know what to do with this food. Just store it as fat, store it as fat, store it as fat. Wow. So how do you how do you conduct the testing for this? Is it done with like, like um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? You know where they do the vial testing? What is that called again? Muscle um, testing. Yeah. Is it, is it like muscle testing? It's not muscle testing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a machine. I'm technically not really supposed to talk about it it's it's oh. like this secret because okay so, i mean i'll tell you so because basically uh when the ama st- got started and they established labs and all of these you know fancy testing whatever that have to be regulated they basically sent out a notification however they did that at the time in the 40s that basically said 
if you have a diagnostic technique, you have to submit it for approval by the FDA or whatever it was, the agency, right. not the FDA. It's some agency that does that. Yeah. Food, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and whatever few nature paths were using this at the time didn't get the memo and didn't submit it. And so it became this like gray area of like, are we legally allowed to do this? Are we not? Mm -hmm. Time goes on and eventually our governing body, so our naturopathic medical board said, yes, you can use this. It is a naturopathic diagnostic technique. You're able to do it. But for whatever reason, the people who teach the course asked us basically not to talk about how it's done. Okay. And so... I guess out of respect for them, I yeah. would just say it's a vibrational evaluation. I do need a blood sample to do it, okay. um, but it doesn't. It's not a traditional lab test. Okay, thanks for sharing that. I don't want to implicate you and get you in trouble. Yeah, but, thank you. But but it's but it's interesting. So thanks for it sharing is. that. Um, so insomnia is a big issue today, and every doctor I talk to say that's their their biggest complaint of patients, and we talk about it on this podcast all the time. It comes up a lot. Do you see it a lot in your practice and what are your approaches to it? Interesting. Insomnia. I mean, I'll have an occasional person that has um, sleep issues. Just I occasional? Think, really? Yeah. I, yeah. Occasionally. And I think a lot of people are actually detached and don't actually understand that they have sleep issues. Mm. So I, I just, I always, whenever I get this question, I, I go back to this one specific person that I was working with for probably two or three years, one-on-one -on -one, in my Seattle practice. And then when I moved to Wenatchee and I launched my first group coaching program, she participated in it. And she had the biggest revolution, which was revelation, not revolution. <laughs> biggest <laughs> revelation. She, she came, yeah, she came to our one-on-one -on -one appointment. And she said, you know what? You've asked me almost every single visit how my sleep is. And I've always told you it was just fine. But after taking your one class where you talk about sleep and what it should look like and what sleep hygiene is and all these things around sleep, I realized I'm not sleeping at all, I'm sleeping hmm. terribly. Hmm. And so for me, it was more of a, I was like, wow, okay, I need to have everyone go through this content, right? Because yeah. it makes them better reporters for themselves. So we can actually work on the issues that they don't even know they have. Um, and I see this across the board, not just with sleep, but like, I'll have 30 year olds come in and they're like, well, you know, I'm having some joint pain or back pain or whatever, but I figured it's just because I'm 30 now. That's not a very good excuse. Exactly. We <laughs> 30 things because yeah. I'm this old or because my neighbor has it or because my dad has it or because of whatever. Yeah. We think this symptom isn't important or I just have to live with it because it's normalized. Yeah. So what do you think that is? Do you think four hours of sleep has become normalized in our culture today? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, no, I think the need for coffee in the morning and wine at night has become mm. normalized. Yeah, definitely. Everyone just needs these sleep aids. Yeah. And so I think it's, again, like once you start digging into like, what are my symptoms actually telling me? Mm -hmm. Because by the way, your physical body is the last straw. If you're manifesting symptoms in the physical body, it's because you already ignored the mental and the emotional body. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Yeah. So if we start digging into these physical symptoms, it means that those emotions have to come out. And once we start clearing those and getting to the real root of what's causing this discomfort in this person, 
the issues become a lot easier. Like, why are they not sleeping at night? Is it because they have PTSD? Are they afraid of something? Are they ruminating? Is it because they have to wake up nine times to go pee? Because mm -hmm. their physical body's trying to discharge something? Like, what, you know, what is at the root of that insomnia? Yeah, and, you know, it's it's funny. So many people ask me, you know, do you have coffee in the morning? And I don't. I, I have coffee as a treat, um, you know, maybe like, I don't know, a couple times a month, maybe like my wife and I'll go out and grab a, you know, grab a coffee somewhere just for fun, not because it's needed, yeah. but people will ask me, well, how do you, what do you do for energy? And, and my response is always the same. It's like, well, as long as I got a good night's sleep, I have energy. You know what right. I mean? If, 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 if I have a restless night or whatever, then, then my energy is a bit low and I just deal. But, uh, you know, you're not supposed to need coffee in the morning. You can have it as something of enjoy, you know, you can enjoy, but you shouldn't need that fuel just to get through your day. And I mean, we see that with all the different types of, uh, you know, caffeinated products that you can buy, you know, whether it's the drinks or whatever, um, that people just need to get through the day, but we shouldn't need those things. You know, we're, we're missing something now. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think what I see is if someone has low energy, it's usually because Either they're not fueling their body right, which is a huge problem, I would say, especially in women. They tend to undereat and then wonder why they don't have energy. And it's like, well, if you were always driving your car on low, you mm. know, on empty, do you think your car would run well? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's there's that issue, but it's it, beyond that. So if the diet and the sleep and all those things are right and someone's having low energy, it's because they're not spending their days or their energy in a way that's fulfilling their soul. Yeah. Yeah, that can be a real drain on you for sure. Um, talk about your approaches and protocols for detoxing some of your patients. Um, what strategies do you use in detoxing? Yeah, so my first step is always to remove the obvious external toxins first. And so I do that through the Carol Method because if we can get rid of the foods that are causing irritation in the gut, then we've removed a huge toxic stress on the body. Right. Because that food is basically viewed as a toxin. Yeah. So we remove that first and foremost. Then we also can clean up the environment, right? So if there's mold in the environment or if there's, um, you know, like you live on an orchard and you're spraying yourself with glyphosate or you're slathering chemical sunscreen on your body or, or whatever, perfumes and things like that. So we, we get rid of all the physical toxins because avoidance is the best cure. Yeah. Then we can support the organs that might have been stressed out because they were trying to keep up with bailing out your shit. Right. Um, so we can use, we can use supplements for that, uh, or we can just use proper food and nutrition. Cause again, the body was made to heal itself. It just has to be given the right tools to do that. Um, and then Again, like toxic or uh, mental emotional stress is a huge toxin to the body that we, I think, oftentimes ignore. And so that's when I'll go into the flower essences. And then when someone's ready, when they've gone a layer deeper and they have the energy and they have the motivation, then I'll go into actual holistic counseling. And that's when we dive into, through a conversation, we dive into the subconscious beliefs and the limiting beliefs that the person is holding. And once we shine a light on those, the person then has the choice. They can either hold on to them and continue living the life they're living, or they can choose to let go of them. You know, it's amazing what a drain bad emotional 
poor emotional health has on the rest on the physical body. It, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it ever a struggle for you to get patients on board with suggested lifestyle changes? I know you said that a lot of times when people come into your office, they're already they're already open to more things because so many things have not worked. Is there ever any pushback or resistance when you're suggesting things that they weren't expecting? So fortunately now I would say no, but mm. in my pri my prior practice where I was working with insurance and I was working with yeah nonprofit and, and all kinds of, basically I, there was no filter. I would just accept anyone who wanted to walk in the door. Right. I, it burned me out because I just felt like I was like banging my head against the wall, like explaining to people, here are the things that need to happen. And then just basically saying, oh, I'm not ready to do that right now. Like maybe we'll consider that in the future. Yeah. And the future would be like three, three years down the road, they're still considering it maybe for the future while they're asking for their prescription refills to like get them by in the meantime. And I was like, you know what? Any, any person with a medical license in the world can do this. Yeah. I am wasting my talents. Yeah. I'm wasting my knowledge. Like I, I was burnt out. Like I was exhausted. And that was the, the perfect example of like not having energy to go through my day. Cause I knew that my energy wasn't being utilized the right way. Right. So now I have a screening process. So to work with me individually one-on-one -on -one is the hardest thing because I have an application and then I do an interview and then you have to commit to like the whole thing. Like basically I'm gonna lay out what we're gonna do. And if you're in, great, let's work together. And if you're like, no, that part of it doesn't work for me, then okay, great, go find somebody else because yep. I just know what works and, yep. I, and I don't wanna waste my time on what doesn't. That's got to be very freeing based yes. on what you had to deal with earlier in your career. That's great that you've come to a point where um, you can kind of set the bar high and this is what we're doing. And if you're you're not into it, there's another doctor down the street. That's the way to go. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you think as a people we're eating too many carbs today? I know you said you're big on the, uh, the animal proteins, as am I. Um, is there just too much carbohydrates in our diet? these days? I mean, I guess if I was just to answer the question, I would say probably yes, but I like to think about it a different way. So I think a lot of people uh, struggle because when they go to the doctor, if the doctor does give nutrition advice, let's say they're seeing a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor, yeah. they might say, okay, you need to cut back sugar. And the person goes home and they're like, okay, I'm gonna muscle through these sugar cravings. I'm not gonna eat sugar. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna sit here and I'm not gonna eat sugar it's never going to work. They're yeah. gonna fail and then they're gonna feel bad and they're gonna feel guilty and they're gonna feel shame and they're not gonna go back to that doctor because they're, they're gonna have to go back and say, well, I didn't do it. Yeah. So instead, the way I like to approach it is fill up on the things your body needs. And what's interesting is you will only crave what you eat. And so if, if you fill up on animal protein, so I just tell people, here's the amount of animal protein you need in a day. And it's usually one gram per pound of body weight, of mm -hmm. lean body weight that you want to achieve. So for an average male, I would say that's between 150 and 200 grams per day. For a female, right. it's usually between 100 and 150 grams per day. And that, that's your minimum protein intake. So don't worry about anything else just figure out what that means to you. So that means either make a meal plan for yourself, which all my clients have access to my meal planning software. I teach them how to meal plan for themselves. Or you can get a download a tracker, like a macro tracker and yeah. input your food. 
just for, I don't care how many calories you're eating. I just want you to focus on, are you getting enough protein, right? For your body mass. Once you do that, cravings go away. I've never had someone do that, come back to me and say, I'm still craving sugar. It just doesn't happen. That's wild. Is that just because they're so satisfied? Because protein is satisfying. Yeah, because the body has what it needs. The reason we crave sugar is because we're starving. Our cells are hungry. Mm. It means you didn't eat enough protein earlier in the day. So now your body is like, I need food and I don't need it like three hours from now. I need it right now in this moment. And that's why you're going to crave sugar and those quick carbs. Wow. Those are words of wisdom right there. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Dr. Tara, thanks for being here and, and hanging out with us today. This has been hugely informative and uh, really enjoyed all that you shared. You have a unique approach to practicing medicine and I love it. Um, how can people find you? Yeah, thank you. It's, it's been a fun conversation. So I, I think probably the easiest way to find me would be on Instagram. So it's mm-hmm. just Dr. Tara Winston, D-R-T-E-R-R-A-W-I-N-S-T-O-N. And then my website is exactly the same. So it's drtarawinston.com. And that's where you can find all of our offerings. So we have group coaching. We have one-on-one. We do, you know, if you're local in the Wenatchee area, we have Ivy Happy Hours and we have a book club that we host with our flower essences. Um, But yeah, really, we are just here to help and inspire anyone who is looking for actual health and wellness and hasn't been able to find it with their current provider. Well, that's awesome. We'll uh, make sure we include that in the show notes. And Ivy Happy Hour. I like the sound of that. That's my kind of happy hour. Yeah. Exactly. Friday <laughs> afternoons, come get your hydration or your ozone or your Myers IV or whatever it is you need to get you through the weekend. I might have to jump on a plane and head up there. That sounds All fun. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. And that'll do it for this edition of the Natural Man Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us and uh, like us and check us out online at naturalmanpodcast.com. That's kind of silly online. I mean, it's a podcast. Where else are you going to find it? Um, So thanks again for being here. And I'm Mike C. Until next time, stay healthy. The Natural Man Podcast. Check us out. Naturalmanpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.